Um, so well done, Alex. That was a five out of five answer. So I think for this scenario, um, we obviously let it run a little bit longer than you would normally get in the interview. But I think that's important because with your differentials, pur purposely, we decided on a scenario that was quite broad. And then with your differentials, I thought it was good to give you the opportunity to explain each one and why you're thinking that, because bits and pieces of that can be taken for different AKI scenarios, which come up every single year in the interview. OK, so. I will tell you what I thought was really good and you can just add in um, anything else that you're thinking of, okay? Um, so the first thing that was really good is when you took the phone call from ED, um, you made sure that the patient was stabilized and safe and you mentioned from an ATE perspective without going through each part of ATE. Going through each part of ATE just wastes the time that you have in the interview um, and it's also quite boring. So, you know, they don't, they don't want to hear that and likely they will just cut you off, um, which might unnerve you a little bit in an interview doing that. Um, so I think um, the fact that you said you'd stabilise them, make sure they were safe, safe from an AT perspective was brilliant. Um, and then I think what was really good is that you didn't just jump in and say, um, well, she's been found on the ground with vomit on her, must be pre-renal, must be sepsis. Um, I think what was really good is that you actually then, and I think this should differentiates the higher candidate, you then gathered information to stabilize the patient and gather information. And the information that you gathered is you wanted the history from the ambulance, you wanted to know what her baseline creatinine was, and you acknowledge that a creatinine of 500 doesn't necessarily indicate an AKI that this could well be a CKD. And I think that that's yeah. a higher candidate point. Um, you also asked about her medications at an early stage. Um, and any previous information that you could get on the system. I think then going on to her examination, I loved the way that you linked things up. So you were asking about her OBS, but not just for the sake of asking them. You wanted to know, is her blood pressure low? Because I know that she normally takes on a lot of pain um, and I'm trying to get a collateral history. And so if her blood pressure is low and she's on an antihypertensive, then I know that this probably isn't her baseline um, blood pressure. And I think that's a higher way of thinking when you're assessing these patients. And you also wanted to know the respirate, not for the sake of it, but because she was found on the ground, unresponsive. Um, and we knew from the collateral that she had some high risk behavior. So is this somebody who's overdosed on drugs and what's her respirate? Um, and equally, I think you translate this into the exam. So I think it's really easy to go for the A to E assessment and talk about, um, you know, whether you'd uh, like listen to the lungs blah 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 but I think yours is quite focused in that you were like I'm listening to the heart for any murmurs and looking for endocarditis peripherally uh, I'm listening to the lungs because I'm concerned about aspiration pneumonia and um, I'm feeling the abdomen because of organomegaly and I'm looking for soft tissue infections um, or injury and I think that that's really good because it shows that you're really focused on your examination and it um, it just looks like you're very switched on um Right. In terms of then your investigations. So bloods, I think you what you did was really nice. And because there's a bit of a longer scenario, you summarized what the scenario was. Now, in an interview, some candidates won't have time to do that. But even a one line scenario before you start talking about your kind of investigations and your differentials is really good. And I think it just pulls it all together. Um, so you summarized what bloods you were looking for and you were specialty specific again. So you knew your renal screen, obviously, which everybody needs to know before they walk into that interview. We also talked about, you know, she's found on the ground. We need to be thinking about a CK here. Um, I want to be thinking about her electrolytes. I want to know where her white cell counter. Um, 
and you talked about it in relation to your differentials, which I thought was quite slick. Um, then in terms of your treatments, um, I thought it was good when you talked about the fluid boluses being the ideal way of doing things, but how that could be quite difficult. Um, is there anything else you put in treatments? I think you talked about fluid, uh, you talked about antibiotics. During antibiotics, um, one thing I'm not sure I did today is uh, any medications, make sure you're doing sort of renally adjusted or appropriate dosing. Uh, and that applies also for rationalising the medications uh, yeah. that she's taking. So the methadone dose may well need to be cut significantly. Um, and, and as you've alluded to, the amlodipine may need to be held off um, completely. So I think any patient who presents to hospital or any scenario, um, don't take the current medications for granted um, and don't just assume they need to continue. Use this as your opportunity to uh, manipulate what medications they're taking uh, in a favourable way. You know, re-evaluate, do they need to be taking that medication? Is the dosage appropriate? Because um, often the dosage will not be appropriate and things just get left as they are, which is not the right thing to do. Yeah. And I think as well, when you went on um, to talk about your differentials, again, you manipulated this to the scenario. And I think that's what the five out of five candidate will do is they will talk about the scenario to support their differentials. So, you know, you were saying, well, the ALT is a bit raised, there was a bit of hepatomegaly, is this a viral hepatitis or is it a biliary sepsis? Who knows? But, you know, this is what I'm thinking about. Um, and I liked how you split that into pre-renal, renal and post, because I think when you're in an interview, your nerves are so charged and you're you know, quite anxious that actually any kind of structure you can bring in. So using the structure at the start, asking a, for focused examination, then summarizing halfway through. Um, and then again, um, asking or at the end, splitting it into um, pre, renal and post. I think that that is, you know, a good way to show that you're being quite structured. Um, and you were talking about your treatment. Yeah. Um, and just a few other um, small points. So one thing I don't think I touched on um, is always good to know what the platelet count is because um, that can affect your differential as well. So if you're thinking of hemolytic uremic syndrome or TTP or something like that, it's always good to know um, what the platelets are. Uh, and also it's useful to know what the eosinophil count is if you're thinking about a possible interstitial nephritis. Um, I don't think there are any real causative agents for interstitial nephritis in this scenario, but um, that is just a useful uh, pointer uh, for these scenarios. And um, always ask for the urine dipstick because that can give you some clues quite early on, uh, particularly if there's a lot of blood waiting on the urine dipstick. You mm. might be thinking of merular pathology. Yeah, and I think um, that when you talked about that, you also um, quantified it to the scenario, which again, um, just shows that you're thinking from all avenues um, and for anybody watching this video when you talk about um, causative agents for um, an interstitial nephritis with adenosinophilia what do you mean? Um, so I mean in terms of so interstitial nephritis would be one cause uh, of kidney injury and that can be acute subacute or chronic um, so essentially it's an inflammatory process within the tubular interstitium um, which is diagnosed on renal biopsy um, and so there might be some clues in the history typically it's caused by medications um, but can be caused by infections can be kind of idiopathic uh, and so the, the classic 
um, presentation would be um, sort of fever, rash, and eosinophilia, usually associated with um, a medication. So classical examples would be sort of antibiotics or PPIs. Um, there's usually not a lot of blood and protein on the urine dipstick, usually quite minimal. Um, and yeah, so you may have an eosinophilia um, with that. So again, not really applicable to this scenario, but probably uh, a fair game. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Anything else you wanted to add? Um, I think. Um, I mean, I think it's always useful to try and, um, as I said, get an idea of the if there's blood and protein on the dip, and then if there's protein, you can quantify it. Um, there are some limitations if you're using um, protein to creatinine ratios in acute kidney injury. Um, by definition, with, with acute kidney injury, your serum creatinine is going up because you've got a low urinary ex excretion. So um, that may artificially elevate the ratio, but you can still trend these things over time. Um, yeah. And if, if it's you know, you're always going to be asked for it. If you're looking for a renal opinion, they're always going to ask for it, even in an AKI. So work yeah, out. exactly. Yeah, because if it's if I mean if it's not elevated, if the ratio is not elevated despite a low urinary curtain and then that makes you sort of more confident that there's not a glomerular cause so I don't think it's ever wasted doing it but um, it's just interpreting it with caution in that situation. Perfect, great, thank you. Thank you very much.